Oral questions by members? Leader of the Official Opposition. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. Mr. Speaker, after a year of hardship, anxiety and stress for parents of children with autism, this Premier announced a long overdue reversal of the NDP's planned attempt to strip individualized funding from parents and force them to transition to a hub model. However, his actions are not matching his words. This Premier and his NDP government are continuing with their top-down approach and the hub model that parents soundly rejected. Yesterday, the First Nations Leadership Council wrote to the Premier to express what they say is their deep concern with the NDP decision to plunge forward with this discredited model. And I quote from the letter, on April 28, 2023, we were suddenly informed that despite the explicit commitments made in November, the Ministry of Children and Family Development has progressed with its unilateral plan." End of quote. This stubborn refusal by the NDP to reverse their policy will have disastrous consequences for parents with autistic kids right across the province. So my question is this, why has the Premier betrayed First Nations and parents of autistic kids across the province who campaigned for over a year to halt this damaging policy? Premier. Uh, thank you, Honourable Speaker, and uh, thank you to the member for the question. Uh, our government believes very strongly that every parent uh, that has a kid that has special needs needs to be supported uh, in the services that are responsive to uh, their child's particular needs, what's working for their kid. And uh, that's why we committed to parents with individualized funding uh, that they will be able to continue with the care arrangements that they put in place that are working for their child. We also know there are a lot of kids uh, that, for one reason or another, including that they don't have a formal autism diagnosis, aren't getting that care through the individualized model, which is why the Minister of Children and Family has been doing work to close that gap uh, and to work with community. We have redoubled our pledge to work with community and with First Nations on this work, and there have been a number of meetings uh, to further that engagement to make sure that the model we come up with is evidence-based, is uh, supportive of the unique needs of uh, kids, uh, First Nations kids, uh, as well as uh, kids generally that aren't getting the support under the current system. And, uh, and we're clear about that. There is, a, however, Honourable Speaker, a challenge, uh, and that is that uh, we also have obligations to individual First Nations. So when they come to the minister and they say, we want to work with you on developing something that works for our kids on nation, uh, they have that right to have that discussion with the minister, and that is a separate process from this broad provincial strategy that we're pursuing. Uh, we're working with the First Nations Leadership Council to clarify that. Uh, we believe we have obligations to these individual nations to have those discussions, uh, and we hope we can clear all of this up, uh, because we all have the same shared goal, which is uh, making sure these kids have the supports they need. Leader of the Official Opposition, Supplemental. Well, thank you, uh, Mr. Speaker. Well, the problem with that answer, uh, Premier, is that's diametrically opposite to what they're actually saying in their letter. And I remind this House, it was only after a widespread backlash and the fierce resistance of parents from across the province that this government eventually uh, backed down under pressure. But it's, the problem we have here is we had the government saying that publicly they would reverse their policy and then privately we're doing exactly the opposite. This is what else the First Nation Leadership Council wrote in their letter and I quote Mr. Speaker, this is in direct violation of what was agreed to and perpetuates the approach that was explicitly rejected." End of quote. 
This NDP decision to plunge forward with their discredited hub transition model is devastating for families right across this province with neurodiverse kids. And we're not going to let this Premier or this government break the word they gave to parents with autistic kids. And so my question is, so my question is to the Premier, how can anyone have any trust in this Premier after he announced a reversal of the discredited hub model only to forge ahead with that model when the political heat had died down? Premier. Oh, Honourable Speaker, the member is simply not correct. Uh, we assured parents that have individualized funding, they're going to be able to continue with that funding, that, those supports that work for their kids. That is my commitment to them. It was one of the first actions I took after being sworn in as Premier because it is important to me, it's important to our government that parents, especially parents that have kids that have these unique needs, uh, don't face additional stress. And it was clear that they were under additional stress when the whole uh, plan was to provide additional supports to these kids that didn't have the care. So reassuring to those parents uh, they will be able to continue with those care arrangements. There are a huge number of families that are not covered under that system. Their kid doesn't have that formal autism diagnosis. They are under as much stress. They are worried about care for their kids. We have to provide care for those kids. And we want to do it in a way that's respectful of First Nations. We want to do it in a way that's evidence-based and responsive to the needs of those families. That's why the minister committed. She's been having meetings uh, with parents, uh, with key stakeholders, with First Nations on designing that system. Now, there is a separate process when a nation approaches the ministry and says, we want to talk to you about how we deliver care to our kids in our community that we have jurisdiction over. The minister, under our uh, legislation, we believe, has an obligation to engage with that nation and find a path forward. And we're doing that work as well. Um, so uh, first of all, uh, you know, any parent that's watching right now uh, that has a kid with special needs like this, uh, we are working to make sure whether you have individualized funding, that that continues. And if you don't have access to that program, we know the stress you're under, and we are working to deliver a model that will deliver care for you that's evidence-based, that looks after kids, because that's what we want to prioritize here. That's what we want to deliver for every parent in British Columbia. Member for Surrey White Rock. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. In 2020, the Premier's liaison for renters, the MLA for Vancouver West End, relocated his primary residence from Vancouver to the Greater Victoria region on Vancouver Island. Since then, he has charged taxpayers for frequent day trips on Helijet, Harbour Air from his primary residence in Greater Victoria to his constituency in Vancouver. My question is to the Premier. As Vancouver renters are facing the most expensive rents in the country, does the Premier think it's appropriate for his liaison for renters, the MLA for Vancouver West End, to expense the cost of frequently commuting from his primary residence in Greater Victoria to his constituency in Vancouver? Government House Leader. Uh, thank you so much, Honourable Speaker. And uh, certainly the member will know that we take the, uh, the, uh, the use of public dollars and how they're spent very seriously. Uh, I'll take the member's question on notice and, uh, and report back to the House. Member for Surrey White Truck Supplemental. Thank you, uh, Mr. Speaker. And, uh, taxpayers reasonably expect in this province for an MLA to travel from their constituency to work at the legislature. 
but it isn't reasonable for an MLA to feel entitled to move their primary residence to Greater Victoria. Member, and then Minister has taken that question on notice, so let's have a new question. Is it a new question? It's a new question. Okay, that's fine. Then proceed. Mr. Speaker, the taxpayers of British Columbia deserve accountability. They expect the accountability from all of us in this legislature. We have a duty to uphold that. Since relocating that primary residence to Greater Victoria, the taxpayers have absorbed $70,000 in expenses. How could the Premier and the Premier's decision to appoint this MLA as his liaison for renters how could this Premier justify that? Member, Member, it's the same question. <clears throat> Mem sh 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 members, uh, the House Leader of Third Party. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. During last uh, fall's legislative uh, session, the now Minister for Post-Secondary Education said, our children are, quote, the most precious resource we have, end quote. I agree with the minister on that, but this government's actions do not reflect the rhetoric, Mr. Speaker. The reality is public schools in British Columbia have been chronically underfunded for years, with school boards across the province continuing to face budget shortfalls as a result of this government's policies. Vancouver School Board is facing a $5.9 million shortfall this year, forcing the board to choose between actions like combining high school classes together moving or discontinuing, discontinuing valuable educational programs or relocating students to cover the deficit. The much smaller Saanich School District is looking for $1.7 million uh, likely to be funded out of reserves, Mr. Speaker. This uh, progressive government, or so-called progressive government, promised to do better for our children than the 16 years that they complained about the previous government. Mr. Speaker, my question is to the Premier. Will he reverse the more than two decades of underfunding in our public education system? Government House Leader. Uh, thank you so much, Honourable Speaker, and I want to thank the member uh, for his question. The member will know, um, and we have uh, uh, numerous times in this House uh, spoken about the importance of education for our kids. Uh, I know the Minister of Education uh, finds that the, the most important role that she has uh, and most important role as both as a mom as well as uh, Minister of Education is making sure that all kids in our communities have the funding that's needed. The member will know that um, funding per student has gone up by 24 percent since 2017. Uh, that's a significant increase in funding. We've seen significant funding for building new schools, making sure that we have educators available, and we're going to continue to do that, Honourable Speaker, because we know that investments in our children are investments in the future. Member Supplemental. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. Uh, as we just heard in this response, the government has continually claimed that they've fixed the problems uh, in public education, but the reality that many school districts are facing in this province reflect a completely different, rea uh, different reality. It's essentially an austerity uh, uh, system in our public education system. We often hear about the record investments that have been made under this BCNDP government, but those, Mr. Speaker, are disingenuous. The court required many of those investments to be made, and a new agreement with teachers, an important investment, absolutely, uh, in our teachers does nothing to support the replacing, uh, replacing the aging tech and teaching materials that many of our school districts are facing. 
and many other structural deficits that they're facing every single budget year, including this year. In 2018, this government's review panel report recommended changes to the funding model. In the first couple of years, there was a flurry of activity. But in the last couple of years, Mr. Speaker, there's been silence. Nothing in the minister's mandate letter, nothing in the service plan about those recommendations. It appears to not be a priority for this premier. The members of this government know that we need to do better, given how frequently they eviscerated the official opposition now for underfunding education when they sat on this side of the House. The needs of students and teachers need to be put first, Mr. Speaker. We've seen this premier roll out the Homes for People plan and the Jobs for Workers plan. When are we going to see a public education for students plan, Mr. Speaker? Government House Leader. Thank you, Honourable Speaker. And um, there was a lot there, um, and I want to thank the member for the question. Uh, yes, we're very proud of the Homes for People plan that we've uh, launched. We're very proud of uh, our uh, Future Ready plan that was announced just recently, making sure that uh, all people in British Columbia, young, those that are uh, transitioning in the workplace, have the opportunities to uh, get the skills they need to be able to be competitive in the, in the market. Uh, Honourable Speaker, I think it's important for the member to know, uh, which I've already highlighted, that we've increased the budget for education by 24% per student funding by 24% since 2017. Uh, I'm glad he highlighted the agreement that we had with the teachers, Honourable Speaker, because those investments are about making sure we support our educators to make sure that we are able to provide the highest level of education. Now, the member will also know that when we formed government, we were the second worst when it came to funding in the country, and now we are the second best. Honourable Speaker, and our goal is always to continue to improve that. Member for Nechako Lakes. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. Um, and as I mentioned in my introduction to the gallery today uh, with the healthcare professionals that are here, I just thought I would uh, highlight uh, some of the people that are here. Uh, they come as far away as Nelson, uh, come from across the lower mainland, across the island, include many doctors, family doctors, uh, radiologists, surgeons, um, um, you know, uh, naturopaths, uh, other people, um, uh, for example, uh, traditional medicine, many nurses uh, from crossing, occupational therapists, physical therapists, and so many more. And there is many outside as well. And they've all come here today because they have a concern with Bill 36. They have a concern with our health care system. And they're here today to express those concerns. And in particular, they're concerned about the privacy of individual and their patients' records. They're concerned about the ability to be able to provide <coughs> professional medical advice based on their experience. They're concerned about, of course, the crisis in BC's health care system. <clears throat> and, and they think Bill 36 is a massive overreach by government that will only cause additional problems in our health care system. I've asked the Minister of Health, Mr. Speaker, <clears throat> to pause the implementation of Bill 36 and to do a comprehensive engagement with the healthcare professionals across this province. To the Premier, since the Minister won't commit to doing this, will you instruct the Minister of Health to stop the implementation of Bill 36 until a full and comprehensive engagement with healthcare professionals across BC uh, has been undertaken? Minister of Health. Well, thank you. Uh, Bill 36, Honourable Speaker, represented the first major amendment to the Health Professions Act in three decades. In 2018, uh, I asked for an investigation and review by world-leading expert Harry Caton into the Health Professions Act. Subsequent to that, 
uh, members of the uh, New Democratic uh, Caucus, myself, members from the, from the Official Opposition Caucus, members of the Green Caucus, came together to review that report and to, remain, and to make recommendations, all of which were reflected in Bill 36. That process involved extraordinary public engagement. More than 4,300 people participated in that public engagement, 71% of whom were health professionals. Subsequent to that, we had an engagement with First Nations because uh, in the midst of that process, we had the In Plain Sight report and we had, Honourable Speaker, a significant requirement under reconciliation to engage with First Nations. Subsequent to that, Honourable Speaker, we had a 47 and a half hour debate in this legislature, Honourable Speaker, the second longest debate on any bill in this century. Members, members, let's hear the answer, please. Minister will continue. Uh, the legislation protects patients, empowers patients, Honourable Speaker, provides protection when people bring forward complaints, Honourable Speaker, <clears throat> including supports, Honourable Speaker. Honourable Speaker, I just say to the members opposite, our focus, the focus of the committee, the focus of the opposition, the Green Party that worked on that committee, was protecting patients, Honourable Speaker. And that's exactly what the legislature <laughs> Members, 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 members will come to order. Members, minister will continue. Uh, Honourable Speaker, I can tell you that the, the consultation we did, unprecedented in the history of the province, did not involve people yelling at each other. Honourable Speaker, I would say this. Honourable Speaker, I would say this. Honourable Speaker, uh, uh, that the uh, concerns raised by the honourable member, including concerns about access to patient records. Re reflect areas that are absolutely unchanged from the present legislation. And I suggest in his decades in the legislature, he might have raised th those concerns if he'd had them at the time, Honourable Speaker. Uh, the fact of the matter is, there is no change when an independent investigator investigates, for example, a concern around sexual abuse. They have a right under limited circumstances to access patient records. That's what it is now. That's what it will be after Bill 36 is proclaimed. Member for Nichako Lake, supplemental. Uh, thank you, uh, Mr. Speaker, and I thank the Minister for, for that answer. The engagement that he talks about, this broad engagement, did not include the full scope of what's in this bill, what's in Bill 36. That engagement with the opposition uh, members did not include the full scope of what is in that bill. There is a crisis in our healthcare system today. These professionals have taken time out of their profession, away from being able to provide the services. They've taken time away from their family. They've traveled across the province to be here to express their concern because they have a legitimate concern about our health care system in the province of British Columbia. They have a legitimate concern for their patients. Mr. Speaker, to me, to the thousands of people that signed the petition that I will be introducing uh, after question period today, they have expressed these concerns. They want answers. They are angry. And I can tell you, the health professionals here, they want to be part of the answer. They want to be part of being able to provide better services. They don't want this government to be making them an enemy. So, Mr. Speaker, <clears throat> two, two parts to this question. The first is an ask of the minister to meet with these health care professionals that are here and the ones that are outside 
to be able to answer questions that they have around this. But most importantly, Mr. Speaker, there is a large list of questions that these health care providers have gone through. This is a very large bill. They've gone through it in detail. They've provided these questions um, to the Minister. And I want to ask to, through you to the Premier if he will commit today to asking his Minister to answer these questions so these health care providers can be fully engaged and to pause going forward with Bill 36 until that full engagement can be had and we can assure the people in this province that our health care system will be improved and not damaged by the Bill 36. Thank you. People in the gallery, please be careful. Don't make any responses uh, to any questions or answer. Minister of Health. Honourable Speaker, uh, this uh, piece of legislation, which reflects the recommendation of the In Plain Sight report, that reflects the recommendations of the all-party committee that reviewed it, Honourable Speaker, takes a proactive approach to the elimination of discrimination in our health care system. Anybody who read the In Plain Sight report and doesn't think that action should be taken urgently and this is action that's been taken after five years of consultation of thousands of health professionals, Honourable Speaker. And uh, my, uh, my strong view is, Honourable Speaker, my strong view is that a bill that empowers the public, that says when there's a contrary action, not when there's a complaint, when there's a contrary action, that there should be transparency for patients in our province. That's long overdue, Honourable Speaker. When you have a bill, members, Honourable Speaker, members, members. that takes proactive action against discrimination after the In Plain Sight report, after a significant consultation with First Nations under both the reconciliation provisions and the In Plain Sight Working Group, Honourable Speaker, that it's time to act against discrimination in health care. It's time to act to protect patients. It's time to act, Honourable Speaker to bring the bill into the industry. That is why we did five years of consultation, members, Honourable Speaker. And members. when we had those meetings together, Honourable Speaker, the opposition parties and ourselves, it wasn't one side yelling members. at the other side, Honourable Speaker, one side trying to prove that they can be more objectionable than another party, members. Honourable Speaker. That's what we did in BC. We put together a system of... Members, members will come to order. Members will come to order now. Members, please. Minister will conclude. Honourable Speaker, all of that consultation took place, I think, in an atmosphere of respect. Five years of it, thousands of health professionals, full involvement of the opposition, full involvement of Indigenous people. We're proud of the legislation, <coughs> Honourable Speaker, and we're going to continue to work on its implementation. Since we passed the bill, there's been more than 50 meetings, Honourable Speaker, with representative groups. We're going to continue to do the work and continue to improve protections for patients and the regulation of health for health professionals in BC. Member for Kelowna Mission. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. Members. Let's listen to the question, please. Let's hear the question. Yesterday, while the jobs minister continued with more talk about more discussions, uh, about more meetings, small businesses endured another day of rampant crime and vandalism. Imagine being Nick Way of Social Pets in Kelowna, waking up to destroyed windows 
and constant vandalism. Over 30 businesses along Pandozi Street in Kelowna recently suffered losses in the tens of thousands. Will the minister stand up today, put an end to the empty talk, endless discussions, and absolute rhetoric, and actually take action to help small businesses in BC? Minister of Jobs and Economic Development. Thank you very much, Honourable Speaker, and thank you to the member opposite for the question. There is no doubt that a number of businesses are faced with significant challenges. We've seen global inflation, we've seen um, tremendous economic uncertainty, and we have taken action to support small businesses, Mr. Speaker. During the pandemic, we stood up almost half a billion, in fact, more than half a billion dollars. That shows the priority that small businesses have to this government. It's so important, Mr. Speaker. When we put in programming for small businesses, the priority is to ensure that the programming is what they need, it's what they want, and it's going to have impact. A great example of this is when we worked with restaurants, talking to industry and working with the people that are impacted. We put in two supports that were very, very beneficial. One is ensuring that restaurants had access to wholesale pricing for liquor. That benefited every restaurant in our province. We also brought in a cap to fee delivery services. These are examples of working directly with industry to hear what's important to them. We're doing that work right now. We'll be rolling out programming soon. Small businesses are deeply important to us. Thompson. Well, thank you, Mr. Speaker. This government uh, is developing quite a pattern of not wanting proper scrutiny and questioning of things that they're bringing forward. As we heard with Bill 36, 400 sections had closure brought on by this government, regardless of debate time leading up to that. And in fact, our motion, our motion to refer those 400 sections to the Health Committee was quashed by this government to have proper review of the But, Mr. Speaker, it's not just these types of things that this government wants to quash. We heard two months ago that the BC Housing Forensic Audit had been completed. Two months. And as much as the government wants to try to say that they're committed to full disclosure, it's been two months of redaction after redaction after redaction and no release and no release date. Now, yesterday I asked the Premier if he would commit to releasing the report before his budget estimates start next week. Unfortunately, the housing minister answered and decided to deflect and use the same language again. No commitment. Convenient, given that the housing minister's budget estimates are now over. The Premier full well knows that budget estimates would be the best way to have full transparency and full questioning of the forensic audit of BC Housing especially given he was the housing minister for the better part of two years. Will the Premier commit today to releasing the full, unredacted report, Forensic Audit of BC Housing, in time for his estimates starting next week? Premier. Thank you, uh, Honourable Speaker. Uh, two, uh, two issues raised in the member's uh, question. I'll take them both in order. Uh, one is on, on Bill 36. Now, I understand the opposition now 
uh, is taking the position that they weren't involved in all the engagement the health minister laid out over five years on developing this on developing this work. And, and I'll say this, honourable members, speaker. I'll mem say this. Members, please. I don't agree with the leader of the Conservative Party on his position, but at least I know what it is. Okay. When it comes to the opposition. The opposition wants to have it both ways on so many different issues. They need to take positions. Now, on the issue of housing, where they also take multiple positions. First of all, on the BC housing uh, audit, absolutely. I understand it's important for the members to have a chance to ask questions on this uh, report. Uh, we'll release it. Uh, and I committed to this House to table it in this place uh, and to, uh, uh, to table uh, as much of the report as the law allows us to uh, to provide to them and to the public and to, to have uh, ample opportunity for them to ask questions about it. We have a really serious housing issue in this province. And I think on the, on the theme of the opposition uh, and housing and clarity of position, to have the opposition standing against basic ideas, like allowing someone that has a single family home to develop more than one unit on that property. For them to stand up in opposition to that, the most affordable kind of housing that can be built, for them to oppose that, for them to vote against the housing targets before they voted for them, Honourable Speaker. The lack of clarity from this opposition on C36, on housing, on so many issues like addiction and mental health, I look forward to them developing their policies so we can have a real debate in this place. Member for Campbell's North Thompson Supplemental. Well, well, thank you, Mr. Speaker. And let's correct what the, the Premier was trying to uh, convey to the public. Um, there has been no ambiguity by us on Bill 36. We voted against Bill 36. There was 400 clauses that this government invoked closure on, and newsflash for the Premier, the opposition. The opposition was not part of the drafting of the actual legislation of Bill 36. The first time we saw it was when it came to this House. Members, 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 members. But Mr. Speaker, once again, once again, the Premier is being evasive with his answer around the BC housing audit. He just committed to tabling it in this House. The problem is he wouldn't give a date. Well, it's pretty simple. We have four sitting days after today left, and then it's the fall. The question was around tabling it so that we could deal with it during budget estimates for the Premier that start next Wednesday. So will the Premier be releasing it on Monday next week or Tuesday next week, or is his intention to table it in this House but not till the fall. Premier. Thank you, Honourable Speaker. Uh, two issues raised by the member in that question. Uh, the, on the issue of, uh, of tabling the audit, absolutely, uh, the, the uh, audit will be tabled. In this House, I've committed to this House, so the members will have opportunity to ask questions. About members, this members, session, Honourable please. Speaker. This session, Honourable Speaker. Members, calm down. And calm down. on the second, Honourable Speaker. I know the members don't want me to get to the second issue, but I will get there, Honourable Speaker. On the second question, Honourable Speaker, 
the members uh, did, in fact, vote against Bill C-36, or Bill 36. Uh, but of course, that was after they voted for it at second. Yeah. The bell ends the caution period.